Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. A lot of things going on in the news today. I'll briefly try to briefly comment on a couple of those things, and then we want to get right into the Word of God. First of all, um, we are experiencing a gas shortage in our country. Uh, I have not seen this in 50 years. Uh, I haven't seen this since the days of Jimmy Carter. But this is what we've got because we have a, a Democrat legislature in the Congress that spent really four years for all practical purposes of the Trump administration focusing on the myth of Russian collusion between Donald Trump and Russia, calling him treasonous, calling him a traitor, uh, only to have spent $35, $40 million to learn there was no such thing. It never happened. In the meantime, we are open and vulnerable, apparently, to these cyber attacks like the one that happened against the Colonial Pipeline. And we have an administration that is too incompetent to, have, to do anything about it, apparently, because there seems to be no answer to it. How in the world can one of our pipelines be shut down by a cyber attack and cause shortages up and down the East Coast? I mean, that just goes to show how vulnerable we are, which also goes to show, frankly, from my perspective, that America first is a valid, appropriate concept. We have to take care of our own country's needs first, or this is what happens. And you've got citizens scrambling, panicking over how they're going to get to work, how they're going to get back and forth to whatever responsibilities they may have. If they're low on gas and they can't find any, they're stuck at home. Uh, with the economy already in a shambles as a result of COVID, and the circumstance of inflation rising because of all of the money that is being spent by a profligate, irresponsible Congress and president who think that printing money is somehow an answer to all of our problems. So you've got people who are staying home because they're making more money to stay home than they would make going to work. You got 8 million jobs unfilled in the country. You got a crisis at the border. You've got crime spiking all over the country. This is what you get from these people who don't care about the country and don't care about Americans who only care about their own power. That's what you get. You get a country in crisis. And we've got multiple crises we're facing right now. And this gas shortage is just the latest. You got Iran bombing, it's really, Hamas is being used as surrogates for Iran. You got Hamas and Iran bombing Israel. They didn't do that during the four years of the Trump administration because they knew it wouldn't be tolerated. They knew there would be retaliation. They knew there would be consequences. But now you got a weak kneed administration that is busy apologizing once again for America and saying, we're not going to do anything on our own. We're, 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 we just want to get along. We want to be part of the UN. We want to be part of the Paris Climate Accord. We, we just want to go along. We're nothing. We're, our country is nothing special. And this is what you get. All you folks who voted for these bozos because you didn't like Donald Trump, I always said it's not about liking him. It's not about his rhetoric. It's about what he does, what he's doing. Donald Trump, Donald Trump stopped all this transgender mess in the military. Now it's back in. What do you think that communicates to the world? These Americans don't even know whether they're males or females. They're, they're on their way down. 
They're confused. They're weak. Now we got taxpayers paying to move people from one gender to another in the military. What's the military got to do with transgender and homosexuality? The military's job is to fight for our country, to defend our liberty, defend our lives. Not some social experimentation nonsense. To think my Marine Corps is even engaged in this garbage. But this is what they, this is what this, this administration has ushered in. They've accelerated the depravity that the left was already trying to bring on our country. This administration is now accelerating that. And once again, I ask the question, how can any Christian vote for these people? How? How can you stand before God in good conscience when you pray and vote for folks who are, who bring chaos and anarchy into our nation and hate God, hate Christianity, hate everything it stands for, hate the church, and yet Christians go out and vote for these people. How? There's only one conclusion. Either you are just a, a, a blind, backslidden Christian who has lost your way, or you just aren't saved in the first place. You just don't know God. You have no relationship with Jesus Christ. He's a stranger to you. You just mouth some kind of association with him but you're one of the people who's going to stand before God and say, Lord, did we not do many mighty works in your name? Remember how we aborted the babies? Remember how we helped the transgenders change their identity? Remember, Lord? And have him say, depart from me, you wicked, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I never knew you. I never knew you. I'll tell you, it, 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 it breaks my heart to see this great country dragged into the muck and the mire of these moral relativistic attitudes and mindsets, these anti-God, anti-Bible uh, policies that are just wrecking the country. It, it breaks my heart because I love this country. It breaks my heart to see it. And you know what? It's not going to stand. Because I think the, the crazier they show themselves to be, and they are crazy, they are crazy. The more the American people are going to rise up and say, we don't want crazy. We want conservative. We want traditional. We want stability. We want ideas that we can embrace proudly, not, not these cockamamie crazy ideas coming out of the left that don't make a bit of sense to anybody with an ounce of brains. They had a whole year of denouncing police. Now, what do we got? We got the largest spike in crime in 60 years. Thank you very much. We appreciate that, all you leftists out there. Thank you. And for all you people who've been out there protesting with Black Lives Matter, what's Black Lives Matter produced? You got more black folks dying in the cities across this country now than we've had in a long time. It's, it's been bad, but I predict this year is going to be the greatest year of slaughter in the black community we've ever seen. It's not going to be police who are slaughtering. It's not police who are slaughtering them. Just in the last couple of weeks, we've had two children killed here in the Hampton Roads area. A mother and her three-year-old child shot to death while sitting outside when gunfire broke out and a child shot to death in her car in Portsmouth. We got kids dying, laying in their beds in their houses 
when gunfire breaks out in the streets with these thugs, these criminals who could care less about human life. That's getting worse. It's worse now than it's been in a long, long time. Thank you very much, you leftists. Thank you very much, Black Lives Matter, for being responsible for getting more black people killed. Thank you. And they don't say a peep about it, about the deaths of these innocent people, not a peep. I've got more coming on that because I'm not going to sit and rest and let that happen. So I, we, We've got announcements, got big announcements coming. Just stand by. You be praying for us because we got big plans in mind to deal with this mess. Black Lives Matter is not going to do it. They're morally bankrupt. They're spiritually vacuous. They're empty. All they know is violence and disruption and victimization and, and, and screaming and yelling and, oh, we're victims and the white people are all bad. And I mean, that, that's all, all they know is that crazy rhetoric. That's all they know. They don't know how to solve any problems. What problems have they solved? Not a one. They created a bunch of them. Haven't solved a single one. Patrice Cullors says, I've said that they have time to solve problems. She's too busy using that $90 million to go out and hunt houses. I tell you, it's a travesty. Well, we got four police officers killed in 24 hours. Four police officers killed in 24 hours. Two in California, Jimmy Inn of Stockton, California, Lucas Benedetti of San Luis Obispo. Shot to death by their suspects, by the people they were seeking to arrest, serving arrest warrants. And two Texas deputies killed called to a place on a domestic violence complaint, shot to death in Texas, in Eden, Texas, four in the last 24 hours, four in the last 24 hours. Their lives matter. This is police week. We're honoring our police. That's what's going on in the country. And we got Colin Kaepernick running around like an idiot writing essays about how we need to do away with the police. What a, what a, what a dunce. No wonder he can't get a job in the NFL. You got to be relatively smart to be a quarterback. And this guy's showing himself to be one of the most empty headed people on the planet. You got more black people dying than you've had in, in, in perhaps 60 years in murders, in street crime. You got police officers being killed. You got the worst spikes in crime in places where they talked about defunding the police, like in New York, and de Blasio has had to reverse that because he sees what's going on. Murders up. Let's see, I've got the data here. I mean, murders up in New York City. There we go. Shootings up 64%. Shootings in New York City up 64% as the, over this year compared to last year. So de Blasio had to, re he had to reverse this. We were going to defund the police. I mean, idiot should have never even entertained the idea. But here again, he's a Marxist through and through. Uh, Fidel Castro is his, is his uh, icon, his, his role model. And so it's no wonder he comes up with this idiocy because he and Black Lives Matter being confirmed Marxists are in agreement. So then we got that, and then we got Iran acting crazy, uh, financing Hamas to bomb Israel. None of that happened during the Trump administration. 
because they, because here again, the world knows that they've got people in charge who don't like our country as it's presently constituted. And knowing that, they know that they're not prepared to defend America in the way brave men went to the beaches of Normandy and defended America against the rise of Nazism. The way brave men went to Vietnam and defended America against the rise of communism. They know we don't have those kinds of people in charge now. They don't like the country. In fact, in, in most cases, they hate it. Anita Dunn, senior advisor for the president, said that when she is, and she said this during the Obama administration because she served as communications director for the Obama administration, said that when she is, faces a conundrum, when she faces a difficulty, she turns, one of the people she turns to is Mao Zedong. These people are communists, folks. They're communists. They don't love this country. They love their idea of what they can make it, what they can turn it into, because they want to turn it into a Marxist country. They love that. But they don't love America as presently constituted. They don't love our constitutional republic. I mean, if I had to look to a, a, a political icon uh, for some sort of leadership guidance, I'd be looking to George Washington. I'd be looking to, to Thomas Jefferson. I'd be looking to James Madison, James Monroe. I'd be looking to Abraham Lincoln. I'd be looking to Frederick Douglass. I'd be looking to Booker T. Washington. These idiots look to Mao Zedong and Fidel Castro and Lenin and Ho Chi Minh and Che Guevara. I mean, no wonder we're in a mess. Because look, you can't help what you don't love. You can't bless what you don't love. You can't prosper what you don't love. And you certainly can't bless, help, or prosper what you hate. And these people hate America. Under their leadership, America can't possibly prosper. It can't possibly do well. Because they begin from a premise of disdaining, disliking, disrespecting, dishonoring, resenting the country. I mean, my goodness gracious, we need leadership that truly loves our country based on what our founding fathers bequeathed to us, not based on some sort of Marxist fantasy they have in their heads about what they want to turn America into. Uh, I think, you know, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to give you a, bring a special announcement sometime later today uh, on the outcome of the Republican convention in Virginia. The issues have been decided. Um, the, the, the nominees are Glenn Youngkin for governor, uh, Jason Miares for attorney general, and Winsome Sears. And I really think Winsome Sears is the best hope for this whole ticket but Winston Sears for lieutenant governor. And I believe Winston Sears is the best hope for this whole ticket because I believe Winston Sears has got the ability to attract people across the racial and cultural spectrum. And not just because she's black, but because she's, she's eloquent, 
Um, she's done it before. 20 years ago, she won as a Republican in a predominantly Democrat district in Norfolk. She's done it before. And she has the sensibilities and the sensitivities to do that. So I support the entire ticket, but I'll get into all that later. I, I don't want to. I don't want to preempt myself by doing that right now. Um, I'm just trying to think: is there anything else that I want to say before we get to the word? Yeah, there is one other thing I think I probably should say. You know, we've been lied to throughout this whole COVID crisis. We've been lied to. The lies are now starting to be exposed. I've said this before. I said, we're going to look back in the aftermath and realize how manipulative this whole thing was, how manipulated it was. We're now finding out that the CDC exaggerated exposure and transmission to COVID outside. It's, it's, they said it was 10%. It actually turns out that it's probably one-tenth of 1%. One-tenth of 1%. Exposure outside that basically it is not transmitted outdoors. And remember the first response that we got from our government across the country, state and local governments, was to go inside go home, stay home, dumbest thing they could have come up with. And anybody who questioned anything we were told to do, oh, you're, you're a science denier, follow the science, follow the science. Now we're finding out it's not science. It's politics masquerading as science. You get, to, you get vaccinated, you're presumably 99% clear of any possibility of getting disease disease or transmitting disease i've heard in fact i've heard uh i read one article that said you there is only one quarter of one percent one quarter of one percent of a possibility of you either getting or transmitting the disease once you've been vaccinated but we're told not only to wear one mask fauci said still wear double masks we told you, you got a 10% chance of getting it outside. So wear a mask when you're jogging. Wear a mask when you're out in the park. Wear a mask all the time. Wear a mask at home among your family members. If you if you've got two people talking, both of whom has been back, both of whom have been vaccinated, they should both wear masks. I mean, you know, the left points at people like me who have our ultimate faith in God, people like you probably watching me, as science deniers. I don't deny science. I just believe that the left has so politicized everything, there's such, so, such liars and deceivers that you can't trust anything they say that they claim to be science. And you got so many scientists now imbued with this leftist ideology that they themselves can't think straight and they can't give it to you straight. Now, you know what? It's time to end this mask charade. It really is. It's time to just realize the mask. I, I've always said, I don't believe that the mask make a hill of beans worth of difference. And now we're finding out, certainly outdoors, we know now they don't, even though we've been lied to about it. 
we know outside they don't make a hill of beans worth of difference. That nobody outdoors needs to be wearing a mask. Nobody out jogging should be wearing a mask. Nobody out walking should be wearing a mask. Because it doesn't do any good. It doesn't change anything. And I dare say nobody needs to wear them anyway. Because I don't believe they make a hill of beans worth of difference. And see, I mean, you look, do you realize you had three students at, uh, what school is this? UMass Amherst suspended from school for taking a picture of themselves not wearing masks outside. Suspended. Can't go to class. Can't take exams. I mean, severely punished for taking a picture of themselves not wearing masks outside. I mean, this stuff is just ridiculous. Here again, I, I think what this is really about, it's about the little tyrant that exists in some people and this having given them an opportunity for let that, let that little tyrant out. Here they come. A bunch of little tyrants all enamored of their own sense of power that they can order people around. They can punish people. They can shame people. They can tell people, you're not wearing a mask. What's wrong with you? Aren't you trying to kill us? You know what they need? They need their head dunked in some cold water. They try to shake their brains back into some semblance of consciousness or, some, or conscience. I, I, folks, I've had it with this stuff. I really have. I really have. Now, I have not been vaccinated. My wife has not been vaccinated. We're talking about it and praying about it. Um, I want to see, I'm going to get the antibodies test and see, do I have the antibodies that resist? Uh, I've read articles indicating that those antibodies are with us for a long, long time. If it turns out that I have the antibodies, I'm not planning to get a vaccine. Because why should I? I'm immune. The antibodies are protecting me. But, you know, they got people, they don't even talk about that. They don't even talk about the fact that if you've had it, you have the antibodies and maybe you can get tested for the antibodies. If you've got the antibodies, it's as if you had the vaccine. The vaccine produces the same result. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't talk about that. One size fits all. We want everybody to have the vaccine. And by the way, I'm not in principle against the vaccine. I'm not ridiculing anybody who gets one. God bless you. Get it. You want it? Go get it. And I'm not saying I'm categorically opposed to it. I am opposed to being forced to do it. I'm just saying reasonable human beings in the United States of America should have and do, in my view, have the freedom to make their own choice. It's just that plain and simple. That's what liberty is all about. And I think that if we can get accurate information coming out of the CDC and the World Health Organization, and I don't believe in luck, but good luck with that, because that's that's about what that amounts to. I don't, I don't, and I don't, I don't believe in luck. I don't even use that word. But in this case, good luck with that. Good luck with getting accurate information out of the CDC and World Health Organization. So once again, where, where are you left? You're left with prayer, seeking God for his wisdom, and reading and studying and learning everything you can, and then making up your own mind. That's where we're, that's where we're left. Because you can't trust these experts. They're liars. They're, they're, they're politicized people. Fauci. 
I don't pay any attention to what Fauci says. He's an idiot. I mean, t- please. Uh, we didn't give money to the Wuhan virus for um, to create these viruses. I forget what the technical name is for it, but um, he and Rand Paul were having this discussion. We didn't, we didn't fund it. No, but you funded a nonprofit that funded it. Now, what's the difference? You know what the difference is? That it, it's the Bill Clinton difference. Well, that depends on what the meaning of is is. I guess that depends on what the meaning of funding is. We didn't fund it if we funded another organization that funded. We just funded the other organization and then they funded it. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke. And you know, the, I guess the other thing before I get, I'm going to get into the word here, but you know the other thing that really irks me about this. These people really believe that the American people are stupid. They really do. I mean, in their arrogance, they really believe that everybody else is stupid. They really believe that people can't see through what they're doing. Uh, and it's, it's just so obvious. They, they don't have any respect for the healthy skepticism that every American ought to have when we hear so, so-called official pronouncements of, of information that's supposed to be without question. The healthy skepticism is the mark of a free people. We're not communists. We don't take orders. We discuss, we debate, we think for ourselves. And that's the way it ought to be. Anyway, I think there's been an attempt with this COVID thing to try to train people to be mindless automatons, to simply be compliant. You've got your orders, do it. Don't question. Oh, you question? Oh, whoa. Oh, you question? We're going to fire you from your job. We're going to destroy your business. We're going to get you off social media. You have, you have the unmitigated gall to engage in the human intellectual endeavor of questioning what the officials have told you. Who do you think you are? Don't you dare do that. I mean, that's the message we've gotten. Worthy of Joseph Stalin himself. And you got a bunch of corporate idiots who don't realize that by going along with all this stuff without encouraging healthy discussion and debate, they are sealing their own fate. They are sowing toward their own doom. Because the values that prop up that kind of tyrannical behavior coming out of government if it ever reaches its fulfillment, (laughs) business leaders would be the first to go. They always are. Intellectuals, business people, anybody who offers any threat of challenging the tyrannical rule of some people, group, entity, individual who call themselves the saviors 
Anybody who questions that has got to go because after all, you're interfering with our ability to create the utopia we know will be ours once we get rid of you. Well, you know what? We're hard to get rid of. Because when you're doing it for the Lord, not for self-aggrandizement, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. All right, let's get to the word here. Let's see where we are. Uh, we're at the end of John. Let's see. I don't think we finished John chapter 19. Let's see where we are in John chapter 19. No, we didn't finish it up. We just actually, we got to, um, it is finished. It is finished. That the old covenant was completely fulfilled. And now the remaining aspects of redemption must be fulfilled. Jesus must go down into hell. And he must rise from the dead. Let's begin at verse 31 and let's see if we can't wrap up John chapter 19 today. It says, therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. We're talking about the Passover. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. I've told you about the breaking of legs to make a person die on the cross faster because they could use their legs to push themselves up and allow their lungs to get a little bit of, of, of respite from the, from the tearing that would be going on in the, their arms stretched out and their body lurched hanging on this cross. And they would use their legs to prop themselves up and try to draw a breath and it would prolong their lives. They were still gonna die but it would take sometimes two or three days for a person to die on the cross. Two or three days of, of horrible suffering, gasping for every breath. So they broke their legs in order to have them die faster. So that way you can't push yourself up because your legs are broken. It says, then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. God did not suffer his Holy One to see corruption. None of his bones were broken. That was a prophecy about the Messiah, and it is fulfilled here. Jesus Christ is Yeshua Yamashiach, Yeshua the Messiah. He is the Messiah, the sent one from God. Don't look for anybody else. He's it. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he was seen as testified. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. And John is talking about himself. He said, I witnessed this with my own eyes. I saw it myself. You know, one of the things I love about scripture, unlike the Quran, the Quran, for example, and, and all these other books, the Quran was written by one person. Okay. The Book of Mormon was written by one person. 
the Bible was written by many different people, the Bible says, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they all give you different perspectives, but they're all in agreement. Now, Bishop, there are contradictions in the Bible. No, there's a contradiction in your head. There's no contradiction in the Bible. It's because you simply haven't studied it. You haven't learned enough about it to understand that the Bible is has perfect symmetry. Everything works together and everything affirms everything else. But people just don't know how to rightly divide the word of truth. So they should read something of one place and they say, see, see, that's a contradiction. But, but it's actually not. Even the four gospels offer no contradictions. They offer differences of perspective. Looking at it from different angles. Different people seeing certain things and emphasizing those things so that we would get a complete picture. You know, there is a, uh, I think it's called the the narrative Bible or the narrator's Bible. I forget the exact name of it. I've got a copy of it here. But it basically gives you the Bible in chronological order. You can go to that and you can read right through the Gospels and see how everything fits in. And it all fits together in perfect detail and perfect symmetry. It says, and uh, uh, for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled, 36 verse, for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled, not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, the scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Wow. Wow. That's Jesus, the son of the living God. And by the way, you find most of this in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is is the most complete messianic psalm in terms of, of an exposition of what happens to the Messiah who comes to die on the cross for our sins. 38th verse says, After this, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews... Now, it says for fear of the Jews. It's not talking about for fear of the Jewish people. It's talking about for fear of the Jewish leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, those who were in authority. It says, he asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. Now, Nicodemus, the Bible says, was a wealthy man. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea was too. There's nothing wrong with money. There's something wrong with loving money and coveting money and living for money and turning money into your God. Jesus used people with money. He's using people with money today. Thank God we are such a prosperous country. I couldn't do what I do. All that, all that I have around me, it wouldn't be possible without generous donors, small and large, who love this country, love God, love the country, and want to be a help and are willing to take of what their life has produced and share it with someone else who is trying to do something that they believe in. Nothing wrong with money and nothing wrong with wealth. 
something wrong with trusting in money and trusting in wealth. We're supposed to trust God, not money. It says, oh, and, by, and by the way, wow, uh, uh, myrrh and aloes. Myrrh was an expensive spice. And aloes, too, about 100 pounds. I mean, they bought a bunch of stuff to anoint the body of Jesus, to clean his body up. Because his body had been terribly mutilated. It says, then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. They got that from Egypt because basically it's a sort of a mummification process where they wrap the body in linen. The entire body is wrapped up in linen. It says, now is the place where he was crucified. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. That was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Nobody had ever laid in that tomb. Jesus' body was put in there, and that tomb was sealed. Now, we learned that in other gospels. See, that's what I mean. You don't get everything in, 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 in one gospel. You read the entire four gospels, and you get the full picture. But look, Jesus died, folks. This is not a pretend death. It's not a fake death. This is not fake news. This is the truth. Jesus died. So, you know, you ask the question, well, if Jesus is God, how could he die? Are you ready for this? This is going to bust a lot of your uh, traditional theology. Jesus gave up his status as God. He surrendered it. See, at that point, at that point, Jesus has given up everything, including, oh my goodness, including his eternal Godhead. Wow, folks. Everything for you and for me, because God can't die. God can't become sin. And the word says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In him. At this point, he is a mortal man who has died in sin. Wow. But not his sin, my sin and your sin. Let me say that again, because folks, you, you want to remember this. I can't stand this minimization of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us because it doesn't suit our kind of pristine theology. At that point, Jesus is no longer God. He is a mortal man who died in sin. And goes to hell just like all sinners. He wasn't a sinner, but he died in sin and went to hell just like sinners do. Wow. He's dead, folks. He's dead at this point. 
D-E-A-D, dead. He gave up everything for us. Everything. In the book of Philippians, it said, he made himself of no reputation, but the actual Greek word there means he emptied himself. He emptied himself. He emptied himself of his eternal Godhead. Wow. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. The sacrifice that Jesus made for us is beyond our ability to fathom. It really is. Because when he hung on that cross and he became sin for us, the light went out. The divine spark, the connection with the Father, out. He was in pitch blackness at that point. And I don't mean physically. Of course, the sun stopped shining and the, and the sky darkened in the middle of the day, I think, to bear witness to what was happening inside the Messiah of God. The light went out. The connection with God the Father was severed. Wow, I, you know, I could, I could talk about this a while. I've taught about this, and we're going to be offering some of our messages once our television program starts. We're going to be offering, uh, we're going to provide you with the catalog, and we're going to be offering some of our messages uh, from time to time because I, I get into this kind of stuff in other teachings. I don't have time now to get into it again, but I, I will simply say this as we close out. See, what the world doesn't understand about Christians, true Christians who have been born again, born from above, who've come to a saving knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ is, we've lived their way, but they've never lived ours. We know what they know but they don't know what we know. See, many Christians know what it is to get high. They know what it is to drink. They know what it is to sin. They know what it is to live that life. We've been there. And once we got saved, we looked back on it and saw, understood that it was depraved, it was degenerate, it was, it was, it was dirty, it was filthy, it was ugly, because that's what we were on the inside. And now that we've come to the other side of that, we look back on that and we see, wow, I was living in darkness. And once you've come to Jesus Christ, you can't ever imagine going back. Well, imagine Jesus who was born, the son of a living God. God himself come in the flesh walking and talking with God all the days of his life with his father, 12 years old, lecturing in the temple, and then reaching a point where that relationship is ended.
I, I can't imagine ever going back to the darkness I once lived in without Christ. And I certainly, therefore, cannot imagine what it must have been like for the son of a living God to experience that darkness of living without the father. And he did on the cross. And he did down in hell. But praise God, when we come back, we're going to talk about what happens next. <laughs> and what happens next is the piece de resistance. What happens next is the icing on the cake. It is the it is the cherry on the on the on the Sunday. It, it, it listen. It's it's what puts this whole thing together for us. And what makes it possible for you and me to have a relationship with God and to be assured of being with him for all of eternity. So again, I won't preempt myself. I'm out of time. God bless each and every one of you. Join me today at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I'll be on uh, American Family Radio on The Awakening. And uh, uh, I've got a lot of stuff I could talk to you about, but I won't bother right now. I'll, get, I'll, I'll have time tomorrow to get into it. But look, don't you dare become discouraged. Don't you dare quit. Don't you dare give up. When you think about what Jesus Christ went through for you, you, you just stand. Having done all to stand, stand, therefore, in the evil day. Because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit. Because we are on God.